You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. All right, welcome back to the show, everyone. Today we have on Jay Helms. Jay is the creator of the W2 Capitalists, which is a community that connects motivated and ambitious W2 employees who want to build their, their wealth through real estate. And he is also an investor, a syndicator, a podcast host, a blogger, a family man, and now a number one best-selling author of the book, Make an Offer. So Jay and I have a lot of similarities in our background. So I'm just going to stop there and say, Jay, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Matt. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we both come from the technology world and sales and technology. So we, you and I have a lot of overlap and history and uh, that sort of thing. So that's it's, it's funny. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we like to start with the difficult questions here. What's your favorite okay. ice cream? I think my favorite flavor of ice cream echoes my uh, conservative nature and in investing. I'm straight up vanilla, man. And if I'm oh. feeling wild, I'm putting a little chocolate syrup on there. I, I mean, you know what I mean? That's, I am just straight up vanilla. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you are actually in Pigeon Forge right now because you're RVing throughout yeah. the country, which we're going to talk about. But have you found any good vanilla ice cream places in Pigeon Forge? Uh, no. That is geared toward families and, and everything. Matter of fact, we've stayed here long enough. I actually bought this publicly traded company. I bought stock into the, I bought some of their stock, right? Because I, I really like what they're doing. But every day, the ice cream man, since spring break started happening, the ice cream man, there's two or three guys that come around, you know, and they hit up the playground. So we've been supporting their businesses quite often. So we don't have to go out and get, you know, scoops of anything. And it's the snow biz and the push pops and stuff like that. So we try not to give our kids too many sweets, but we've been spoiling them here recently with, with that kind of stuff. So nice. Well, Jay, start us off and tell our listeners, what's the scoop? What do you do today? Oh man, you know, that's a loaded question. I, 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 uh, right now we are focused on, uh, trying to find our next short-term rental. Right. And so there's, there's two parts to, to my business since I exited the W2 it's, it's growing the W2 capitalist, um, and specifically the mastermind. We've got some courses we're developing and stuff like that, but really it's the mastermind, um, community, right. A community of accountability, but from an investing standpoint, that's the other side of our business. We're really focused on um, finding our next short-term rental. And uh, I, I love telling this story because it just echoes, like, I should listen to my wife more. Um, we've vacationed in Pigeon Forge for the last 10 years. We'll come up here for a couple of weeks, maybe a month, whatnot. We just love it. Uh, we'll stay up in the woods. Maybe every two or three days, we'll come in and do the touristy thing. And then we'll go back to the cabin and just, you know, just completely uncheck, uh, check out. And uh, the first year we were here, we were staying in a cabin, two bedroom, two bath with a loft and a pool table and all this other stuff. And it was for sale. And uh, my wife was like, we should buy this place. I was like, you know, think 10 years ago, right? And we're just now kind of finding our way with investing and, and whatnot. And I'm, I'm doing the math on how it's supposed to cash flow. I'm like, it doesn't cash flow. Knowing nothing about short-term rentals, right? I was like, it just doesn't cash flow. So we pass on that opportunity. And since we've been here, uh, we've been looking for properties. That one has that particular cabin, the exact same cabin came up on the market. Uh, it was listed for, at the time we stayed in, it was listed for 130. Today or last month or so, it, it listed for 560. Yep. It immediately went under contract. Most what we've, and we've made 15 offers in the last two months. We had one under contract start doing our due diligence. Our renovation budget just got exploded. Like it, it didn't make sense after that. Um, but most properties in this, in this market, they will uh, go for well over asking. And I'm not talking like 10, 20, 30,000. I'm talking well over asking. Um, there was one, there's a three bedroom, two baths kind of ranch style house. It listed for three thirty. Now this was in a neighborhood, right? It's not like the cabin that you would think is on the side of a mountain that didn't have this beautiful stream running in front of it. It was just a three-two ranch style in a neighborhood. Then the neighborhood allowed for short-term rentals. Listed for three thirty. Call a realtor. Hey, we're interested in it. What what can you tell us? Where we need to come at? Can you give us some pricing guidance? She calls the listing agent. The listing agent says, "Well, 
I have two cash offers, no contingencies, and they both start with a six. <laughs> wow. Like, All right. Next. Let's go to the wow. next thing. You know, so it's uh it's it's been a little bit hectic, but that's what we're up to. We're we're trying to find our next short-term rental and uh, and grow the W2 capitalists in that community. So are are you specifically just looking in the Pigeon Forge Gatlinburg area? We are currently. We also look um so what has enabled us to travel, you know, and, and live the RV life is we took our primary house in Florida and we converted it to an Airbnb. And so that has done extremely well, far exceeded my expectations so far. And uh, we look in that neighborhood because we already have our teams established. We kind of know, uh, you know, the area, we know what can produce. So we're looking there as well. Just not as many opportunities have come up uh, with that. Plus, there, I believe, I need to check with this, but you have your primary residence, right? And there is some question about if I ask my CPA, what's our primary residence? He tells me it's the RV, right? Because that's where we live. That's where our primary. But then if you add, if you talk to, you know, lender, your primary residence is what's on your address or what's on your driver's license. And so there's, there's some questionable things like, can we buy what's considered a second home, right? Or a vacation home for ourselves and use those lending programs if it's one in a certain mile radius of the address that's on our driver's license, yep. even though yep. we've only been there two months out of the last year. You yep. know what I mean? Like, so there's, there's things that we're trying to navigate and figure out, but we're looking yeah. in that area. The reason why I ask is because I love Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge. I went to school in yeah. Knoxville, which is an hour and a half away from there. And I grew up in a really small town in, in Eastern Tennessee. That's an hour and a half away from there. So like we used to go there all the time as a kid. Yeah. And now that short-term rentals and Airbnbs have really blown up. Everybody's interested in that market. And what I tell people about short-term rentals is like, I like markets like a Gatlinburg or a Pigeon Forge that have built their entire economy off of yeah. short-term rentals like log cabins, because you know, they're never going to legislate against that. You're right. You're right. Now there are certain neighborhoods found in yep. Gatlinburg that have said, Hey, we, we want to be rezoned as a neighborhood that can never have short-term rentals. Uh, but you're right. And that question comes up all the time. Jay, why are you so focused on Pigeon Forge? What if they come out and say, we're never going to allow short-term rentals here. I'm like, obviously you guys have never been to the area. Right. <laughs> like, right. I, I mean, I, I get that happens in certain neighborhoods, but there's, there's no way that this is going to happen. And, and because, um, that's how they make their money. That's how the yep. government makes their money. A huge tax, uh, tourist tourism and tax dollars are coming in. It's not for the property taxes. The property taxes are, amazingly affordable. It's, it's yep. crazy how low they are. Yep. Well, I, we kind of jumped into the short-term rental stuff, but I, yeah, I want to take us back here. <laughs> no, this is good stuff. I want to take us back here to where your journey began. So you mentioned you were in technology sales before, and then you actually uh, started your investment journey back in 2006. Um, tell us yeah. a little bit about what you were doing in the W-2 world before you decided to leave the W-2 world and why you decided to get in real estate. Yes. Yeah. So um, back in 2006, I was working as a, I was nicknamed a project tier. I was a project man as a real small IT company. I was a project manager. Um, I was a deployment engineer when they needed help. And uh, so the guys who I worked with just nicknamed me the project tier. So I, I did a little bit of everything, started, you know, support desk, whatnot, and just kind of worked my way up the, the company. But in 2006, um, you know, we, we discovered, HGTV, all the hot, sexy, cool things were happening on flipping houses and whatnot. We're like, oh, I can do this. I'm pretty handy, you know. So we bought. I bought my first property as an idea that I was going to do a live-in flip. And uh, now we all know what happened in the market, and I like to call that my fault start in investing, yep. right? And so we ended up re, uh, remodeling that house. Got an opportunity to move down to the coast in Florida uh, for my job, and we put that property on a rental program. And then uh, we eventually sold it, uh, eventually sold that and rolled those monies into a house that actually made money, like on a monthly basis, on a monthly cash flow. I'd learned a little bit. And that took eight years, by the way, that from that very fault start, buying that very first property to selling it and actually finding one that actually cash flow that I had done enough 
studying and, and learning actually how to cash flow properties or underwrite them. So I knew the cash flow. It took eight years to do that. Again, very conservative nature here, right? And we went through 2008 and everybody's scared, sky's falling, that kind of thing. Uh, but I worked my way through several acquisitions and that's kind of what really sparked, you know, discover my wife. We had started dating and we got married. We had a kid on the way. And then the IT company, that small IT company I was working for got acquired that acquisition was going really, really bad. And, um, and so we started, my wife and I started, all right, we got to do something different. We're living paycheck to paycheck. How do people get rich? I think that's actually what I Googled at the times. <laughs> How do people get rich? And real estate investing kept coming up. Uh, rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, kept coming up with Kiyosaki and just really started diving into that. And we started at that moment wholesaling. Or thinking we were going to wholesale because we didn't have a whole lot of money, right? We were we were uh, living paycheck to paycheck, kid on the way, trying to adjust to that whole lifestyle change of being married and you know having a pregnant wife and what's going to happen. This acquisition is going horrible. Am I going to get fired tomorrow? Kind of thing. So we we started this wholesaling thing, and uh, quickly, very quickly, determined I didn't know what in the heck I was doing. Um, you know, I brought the wrong list. I bought instead of buying a list that people had tremendous equity in, uh, in their properties, I bought the list that said, um, you know, they were underwater on their pro, you know, on their properties and, and they were looking to me to pay over asking and all this other stuff. And I quickly learned after, you know, we sent out some mailers, my wife hand wrote them. You know, I mean, it was, it was a, it was a bad situation that we just realized, all right, wholesaling is not our gig. Let's, let's try to find, uh, it just doesn't fit my personality type, right? I'm not a hustler. I'm not going to go after you and try to convince you to sell, uh, to, to, to buy something for me or sell something that you still want, right? Like I'm here to solve your problem, but I'm not going to try to convince you that you need to get rid of it. But, and so I, I really didn't enjoy that. So we started looking at buy and hold coming up with how do we cash flow properties? What kind of property can we afford? Uh, and that sort of thing. So then we started putting some stuff together and we moved to the buy and hold aspect. And, and really over the next, once we closed on that very first property, uh, we just kept at, we were able to kept, you know, we got the first one done and it's so super important. That's what I talk about. That's basically the premise of the book, make an offer is get that first one done. Right. Don't go out and do something crazy, but just get it done. You know, understand your criteria. And there's steps in the in the book to to kind of get you from point A to point B. But get your first deal done. You learn so much. And then after we did the first deal and we saw how well this works, like, let's rinse and repeat this. Yes, let's figure out how to do more. So over the next six years, we we grew our portfolio with partners and and stuff on our own and whatnot. And then uh and then COVID happens, right? In 2020. And uh, I'm at that point in time, I had transitions to another IT company. Uh, we were focused on um, remote software and uh, cybersecurity. So we were selling uh, basically solutions for remote workers and cybersecurity for their platforms and whatnot. And my sales team, I had a group of eight folks or whatnot. And, uh, we were knocking our quota out of the park, right? Obviously, with things kind of looming and people starting to figure out how we're how we're going to work from home, kind of thing, they needed more resources and tools. Well, guess what? We we had those resources and tools, so we were able to. I mean, we exceeded our quota for the last six months up until the day that I got laid off, and that was kind of my push out of the W two. And I, you know, I don't think I ever would have had the courage to to leave the W two on my own. So I am so thankful that the powers that be decided that I was going to be the one of the ones that they let go. Now, that doesn't mean my ego wasn't hurt. And the first couple of days after it happened, I'm moping around the house thinking, why did I? Because when you get back, by the way, when you get laid off from a public company, they have to show you uh, everybody who's on the same tier as you in the organization who also got laid off or who got to stay. Right. So uh, and so I got to see everybody that stayed. And uh I knew their sales records because we're all in the same meetings. We're, we're, you know, we're all being ranked against one another. I'm like, why, why am I the one to go out of this list? Why am I leaving? If, if you're saying that this is a numbers, <laughs> you know, I mean, sales is a numbers game. Right. And when, when you're producing, I don't know, 
anyway, they had their reasons and I was bummed about it. So thankful that it happened. And uh, cause that's kind of where we're at now, right? We, we were able to then to focus on uh, growing the W2 capitalist, making some moves in our portfolio. Uh, we actually have less units now than we did when, uh, when I was laid off, but our net worth has exponentially grown. Right. Yep. I mean, it's just, it's, so it, it has been a huge blessing in disguise and it's kind of funny. Um, I think the day, I don't even think it was five minutes after I got the call from my boss. Um, <laughs> it, well, so when, when he and I are talking, I'm like, his name is Steve. I said, Steve, I said, I know there's probably a bigger plan here. I said, but I don't need the money. I was like, I will work for six months for free in exchange for, you know, um, uh, stock options into the company. And he was like, yeah, he said, no, this is a much bigger deal than just this. He goes, you can talk to HR about it if you want to, but the plan's already in motion. Okay. So yeah. anyway, I, I think it was like five minutes after we hung up, I go and tell Cassie, I was like, my wife, I was like, uh, this just happened. And she goes, great. Now we can go buy an RV and then we can go travel. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This <laughs> is, this is whole day. So it took us about a year to kind of get for me to warm up to it. And then, um, yeah, June, uh, I think it was June. Might've been July, July of 2018 or 2021. We took off. It was July 18th, 2021. We took off and we did, uh, we did a, a trip up the coast of Maine and, um, man, memories, our kids still talk about it today. They'll pick out things that, like, um, we have a screensaver on our fire stick, right? And, and the other day, this um, picture pulled up of a lighthouse. And one of the things we did when we were Maine is we went and stayed at a park one day, all day long, um, that had a lighthouse. And my son brings up, he goes, hey, is that from Maine? I was like, no, it's just a different lighthouse. What if we went and did a tour of lighthouses one day in Maine? He goes, that would be awesome. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't have that capability if we wouldn't have started investing way back when, and we wouldn't have been doing that if I wouldn't have got laid off. So it's, yeah. it's like, yeah, you, you know, you make lemons out of what you make lemon, <laughs> you make lemons out of lemonade. That's what I was going to say. And then you put it in your ice cream. There you go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, there's a lot on that story that I want to touch on. Um, the first thing I would say is that I got investing, started investing because a former uh, company that I worked for denied paying me a commission check that I had gotten. And mm. I never have said the number publicly, but it was life-changing money. And that yeah. made me realize that, hey, if I don't build additional sources of income, then at any moment, at any point, something could happen and then I would be in a bad situation. So I think your yeah. story and my story are, are pretty similar there. And that's how we ultimately got connected. But I want to go back to the wholesaling piece because yeah. I'm in sales today. You're in sales. Um, I think wholesaling is a great option for a lot of different folks. But for yeah. me, it doesn't really fit my personality. And one of the things that we've talked about is that the sales that we do is more of a relationship-based sales. Yes. Like you're trying to solve a problem for a customer and then ultimately five years from now, still be able to have that customer long-term where wholesaling is more transactional. So I think yep. first and foremost, if you're listening to this and you want to get involved in wholesaling, I think it's a fantastic option. If you, you can make a ton of money really, really quickly wholesaling, but you have to know that you're in a transactional mindset versus a relationship mindset. What was it that you you felt like you were struggling with with wholesaling and decided because you said you quickly knew it wasn't for you. What was it that you were struggling with that you decided to pivot? I think it was probably that first, I would say it's the first one. I don't normally give up that easily, but it was probably the first few phone calls that we got uh, that we received off the mailers that we sent out. And I, I just didn't like having those conversations. I mean, it was very, I mean, you're talking to people who, um, you know, if it's been a probate situation, they've just lost a loved one, um, you know, or they're down on their luck and they, you know, they can't make house payments, whatnot, they're facing foreclosure, you know, and it, it's just a real difficult, extremely difficult conversation. And, and let's face it. I, I mean, I, I was in my, I was not as well versed on the topic. Like today, if I wanted to start wholesaling, um, I think I'd be really good at it, but it's a job, man. It is, a, yes. it is a, it is a job that you've got to really like, I have guys in my mastermind who they spend thousands of dollars every month in marketing in hopes that they're going to get 
an opportunity, right? And they've got V. They've they've streamlined the business a little bit. They buy their list, they upload it to their phone dialer. Uh, then they have a VA that sits in the Philippines that dials just number after number after number. And, you know, you've got to really sit down and spend some time developing that system. And then at some point in time, they're going, that VA, that virtual assistant is going to call you and they're going to say, Hey, I got, I got a live one here on the line. You got to talk to them or whatever, whatever their process looks like, but it's a job. And and one of the things that I've realized as, um, as our journey has continued along this path is, you know, and I, we had a new mastermind that I remember coming to the mastermind, uh, here recently. And, and part of when you come in the mastermind, there's a course that you go through, it's, it's called from vision to, to goal setting. And it was something I recorded two years ago. And, and in there, I'm giving my examples of my goals, my one, three and five year goals and my five-year goal, or maybe, maybe it was three, maybe I was super ambitious was to have 5,000, uh, multifamily doors. And since then, I've just had this epiphany. It's like, why the hell do I want so many doors? Like, I don't need to be in, like, no, I, 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 you know, we want to be able to build this legacy for our kids. And part of that is not working so hard and just spending time with them. Right. And so now it's, it's, it's kind of shifted and pivoted as we have grown and our journeys changed and things have changed. So, um, but yeah, so, you know, I think wholesaling is, is a good option to start if you've got the muster for it, if you got, if you, you're willing to put in the work and the time, but, and it fits your personality and, it, yep. and it just wasn't, you know, I was, I, I tell, I tell people all the time that I, my personality type, I'm an introvert, right. And they, they see me on podcast and whatnot. I'm like, but I'm, I'm super comfortable behind the the computer screen and the keyboard. Uh, by the way, I've, I've been working remotely since like 2010, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's, uh, I was zooming before zoom was cool or whatever. And, uh, and they don't get it. But then when you get in those uncomfortable conversations, man, I, I just shut down. I just shut down, but that I've grown a lot over the years, uh, and doing that and actually getting laid off is probably one of the best kicks in the pants to, to change that personality type. And it's, it's slowly changing. It's slowly, yeah. I guess my, I don't know if my wife ever looks at me like, who is this guy? It's not the, <laughs> the quiet, calm, reserved guy that I've married, but um, it has been, it has been one of the best things that to ever happen was to get laid off. Yeah. I, I, the two things I would point out there is really, it is active income, right? So it is a job, right? And yes. I think there's people I've had on the show that have done a great job systematizing their business to where their active involvement is not as high as you would need to be if you first start out, but it certainly right. is involved. And then the second thing I would say is every one of their stories and everyone that I've ever known that's been in wholesaling realizes that you you do the transaction you get money in your pocket it immediately goes back into the business you do a bigger tra- you do two transactions and you start doing transactions but you're not building wealth over yeah. the long term if you're not in that system or keeping that system going then you're not building wealth so all of those guys have started wholesaling get involved in buying fix and flips then they move it into multifamily or other diversified real estate yep. assets because they understand the power of cash flow and that yeah. kind of that kind of pivots me to my next conversation point that I want to ask you is really this idea of obsession on doors. So when you said mm. 5,000 doors, my mind immediately went off because I think everybody that's involved in real estate has a door number that they're thinking mm. about. And there's a lot of people on social media that are out there boasting about the doors that they have, yeah. but hardly anyone talks about the cash flow that they have. I mean, you could own a hundred doors free and clear that spit off $10,000 of cash flow a month. And it's about the same as owning a a thousand doors that you have a high debt on. You don't own hardly any position in those. So what made that shift in your mind? Um, You know, getting laid off, a lot of things just changed, you know, like really made you think about what was really important and spending time with the kids making sure I, I, you know, I was going to say train them, but parent them up to be, you know, self-respecting, amazing adults. I can't do that if I'm running around trying to find the next acquisition, even now. Trying to be a billionaire. And a lot of that too is I'm, I'm pretty lazy when it comes to it. And I just, uh, I was like, I don't know that I want to be running around and and looking at that. And, And you make a good point. And I've had a lot of presence in the past on social media and, and spent a lot of hours on social media. 
And I get so annoyed when I see those posts that, like you just mentioned, that we've got 5,000 doors and I'm guilty of it. And I'm guilty of this. So I'm calling myself out. But when some, somebody says, yeah, we just closed, I just closed on eight, I just added 800 units to my portfolio. All right. What's your percentage ownership inside that? Right. You know, cause I've done the same thing. I asked them, well, I've got 400 doors. Like, uh, I've got like four doors actually. It's not 400. I own maybe 1% of the whole thing. Yeah. And, and what, what kills me now is not kills me. It, I, I crack up at it and I, I wish there was a way for me to, I don't know, to each his own. You do whatever you want to. You brag about yourself. You write your biography on social media, whatever you're doing. When I see people brag about assets under management, that tells me they have nothing else to brag about. Yeah. And, and I'm, as an investor, I don't care how much you have under asset assets under management. I want, I care about the cash flow that's coming in and the wealth that's being generated. Right now, if somebody posts, these are the ones that I pay attention to are the ones that say, Hey, we just generated this much cash flow for our investors. We just created, you know, this amount of percentage of return for our investors. Those are the people that I pay attention to. And they're very few and far in between because you don't, you don't see a lot of those posts. Right. And it's, it's exciting. I, I get it. You, you're excited. You closed on a big deal. Um, something you've probably never done before. That's awesome. Congrats. You know, I've been there. Uh, I want to do it again someday, but let's talk about cash flow Cause that's what interests me. Right. Yep. And so anyway, yeah, yeah I, I, I get um, what you're saying. I wish I'm not trying like try to be a hater. Like I, I'm, I truly am glad for these people to hit that goal, but what does that mean for your investors? Like I, there's more to the story. Don't, don't give me the teaser. Like I've seen enough teasers. I'm bored with it anyway. So yeah, I wish there I was sound a like meter. a total snob right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've, I've been having this conversation with a couple of folks here recently. I wish there was like a meter to say, how intentional are you in your life? because of the mm. cash flow you have from your investments. Because while I believe that real estate is a great strategy to build generational wealth, I still have to be honest that 40% of my net worth is tied up in equities. And mm. most of my real estate, my best performing real estate from a cash flow standpoint, is lending out money for fix and flip loans, like private yeah. investment, private money. Right. So I can't say that I own all these doors like everyone else, but all those people that can't say that don't have anything in the equity markets and also probably aren't producing the cash flow because really they only own to your point like half a percent of a thousand yeah. dollars kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, to each your each their own, you know, I, I heard somebody um much wiser than me say something about, you know, it used to be a lot of people would write their autobiography, right? And they would come out in book format and do all this other stuff. And then social media came around and not as many autobiographies are coming out. But what, if you look at it, what people are doing really is they're, they're writing their autobiography via Instagram or Facebook. And, and I hate looking at stuff that I posted years ago. Like, I'm like, Oh God, why did I do that? You know? So, so I've, I've kind of changed my um, whole strategy on social media a little bit, but you know, it's, it's to ease their own. And, you know, you went to equities for a reason other people like to brag about assets under management or doors under, you know, under ownership. And, and, um, uh, but it, I, I personally turn off from it is basically the bottom line. I don't yeah. care about that. I'm how much are you cash flowing? What do you, what's the return you're providing for your investors? I want to switch gears now and talk to you a little bit about the RV and around the country. Um, yeah. you mentioned that when you got laid off within 10 minutes, your wife was trying to push you to go do this trip. Um, is that something that you all had, always talked about doing or, and I, I want to get specifically into how are the kids reacting? Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how old your kids are, how they're yeah. accepting the experience and how you're doing some of the whole homeschooling stuff. Yeah. So homeschooling is real easy conversation for me. My wife does it. I don't have a <laughs> lot to do with that other than I'll, I'll pass my son and he's supposed to be working on his workbooks and uh, he's got his iPad in front of him. He's watching some show and I'm like, turn the iPad off, do your workbooks. And you know, yeah. um, so you're the principal, not the teacher. It, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I don't know that I'm the principal, man. I might be the janitor. I think that's that's more appropriate. But no, the RVN thing. Yeah, we we started talking about it um, a while ago. 
you know, when we had, when our kids, so our kids now are currently, um, seven, five and about to be three. And, um, we started talking about it probably after the youngest one was born. And, um, you know, we've got a certified financial planner, uh, Mark Willis is his name. He's also, uh, um, a partner of mine, but we started talking to him about, Hey, we've, we've got, you know, dreams of, of traveling, buying an RV and traveling, uh, possibly adopting one day. And, uh, you know, how do we, how do we plan for that? How do we do this? And he introduced us to a couple of products that said, okay, if you, if you do this in a couple of years, you'll be able to have some cash. It's a whole life insurance policy, right? So you'll have some cash value that you can loan from yourself and uh, you can start doing some of these things. And and the way that we bought the RV that I'm sitting in right now, we took a loan from ourselves from the from the cash that's in our whole life insurance policy. And um, so yeah, it was it was a dream, and it took us a couple of years to build that up, right? But it was a dream that we had talked about, um, I guess maybe three years ago, and started talking about it. And um, I wanted to do it when the kids were a little older. So they have a little bit better memories about where we were going and what we were doing. And, uh, my wife looked at me and said, no, I said, you know, and, and of course I had to hear it from other people for it to finally make sense. But, you know, once you, once your kids get of that teenage years, they don't want anything to do they with mom and dad. With they don't want to spend time with mom and dad. So, it, you know, and, and, um, we've met some families on the road who are doing this as well. And they've got teenagers and, and they, you know, it's, they're, they're bigger humans. <laughs> they're harder to live with. And, uh, you, you know, so, but the, the kids have adjusted very well. Um, uh, matter of fact, I, I played a trick on them the other day or not the other day. It's probably about a month ago. And so, you know, when you book a spot in an RV, uh, part, you're basically saying, Hey, I want to, it's just like checking in a hotel. Hey, I'm going to be in from this date, checking out this date. And uh, we had set our dates. We arrived at this place and we just kind of fell in love with it. And we went to extend our stay, went to the office to extend our stay. And you're like, um, you got to move spots. So I told the kids, hey, we're moving. We're moving the RV. We're going to a new RV park. Right. And um, I don't think I said a new RV park. That would be way too much of a lie. I just said, hey, it's moving day. Moving day is a big thing when you're in an RV. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, guys, we're moving. Um, I think you guys are going to be excited about the park we're going to blah, blah, blah. So we hooked up, we started pulling around the corner and then I turned instead of going to the exit, I turned to go to our new, new path and to the oldest and the youngest were super excited because they love the park we're in. It has this huge jumping pillow. It's got the swing, uh, playground, you know, it's, it's tons of stuff, a lot of kids for them to play with. But our middle daughter just really broke down. It's like, no, I wanted to go somewhere new. I want to go explore. I want to go do this. I was like, I am so torn right now. Like, I am so proud of you for having those feelings and want to do But I'm also upset that you're upset that we're staying here because I mm-hmm. thought this would be kind of cool. But they're, they're adjusting with it, you know, a lot better than mom and dad have. Now, when they get tired or they get hungry, it's, man, I miss home. You know, I want to go back to Florida and, and, you know, it's, um, there's an adjustment period that everybody talks about when you get into an RV, it's like a 90 day getting to know like your space. I mean, we're, we're in 400 and something square feet, right? Yeah. Five of us, five people, five people. Yeah. Trying to run a business, a couple of businesses, you, you know, and it, so it's, it's difficult. It is, it is difficult. And, um, I'm not asking anybody to, to don't feel sorry for us. We chose this, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, we have produced so many memories. I mean, it's, it's just, we want to continue doing it, you know, and, and it may be another year or two or three before we finally call it quits. And, and really, <clears throat> I know I'm getting off of your question, but what we've identified is, okay, we can't necessarily find a, a property in Pigeon Forge but we really loved our time up in the Northeast, right? So maybe later this summer, we start migrating there again and let's find us a property up there that we can, mm-hmm. you know, short-term rent or do some midterm rentals. And with the idea that now we're buying up properties in places we want a vacation. So yep. as long as they support themselves throughout the year, then we can go and maybe we don't travel with the RV. Maybe we get in a car if they're close enough or get on a plane and go plan to stay in Vermont for a few months. 
you know, yeah. so it's totally, it's totally changed the dynamic that we're looking at as far as real estate investing. Again, would never have this <laughs> uh, opportunity if I wouldn't have been laid off, right? Yeah, but the, I, um, but the kids have adjusted, and you know, homeschooling is just the seven-year-old. The five-year-old will start next year, and uh, the girl. So it's boy, girl, girl, right? And and the girls, uh, I'm scared about how smart they are, and because they will, you know, they see their older brother going through school, and they're like where's my school? So we have to get them some school supplies and they're doing stuff. And, and it's, it's just been amazing to see how quickly even, you know, the about to be three-year-old, how, how smart they are. Right. I mean, she yep. could count to 20 when she was one. And I'm like, how do you do that? Like, yep. Yeah. Those kids are yeah. still trying to say mommy, daddy by that time. <laughs> but anyway, one, one of my goals in life is to have different vacation properties throughout the country and throughout the world that essentially I just do that, right? Maybe it's yeah. a co-working, co-living places for this digital nomad space is really interesting yeah. to me too. So you can go to Colombia and there's co-working and co-living places. You can go to Philippines, Indonesia, and things yeah. like that. I thought it would yeah. be always cool to like have something like that. And just you're, you're migrating throughout the world whenever you decide that you want to go do something different. I love to travel. So that, that to me is very interesting. I, have an opinion on this next question, but I'm a guy okay. with no kids, right? So I, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I, what that really means is I'm a well-informed internet uh, keyboard warrior on my opinion, okay. <laughs> but how, how are you thinking about, how are you all thinking about like the community aspect of it for your kids? So they're very young right now. And one of the things that, you know, being home and going to school and things like that gives them as a community, but also you're mm-hmm. traveling. So they're, you're giving them that sense of, wanderlust and adventure and things like that as well. How are you all thinking about the balances there? My wife is concerned about it. I'm not necessarily concerned about it because I, I I talked to her. I was like, you know, we don't know that even if we stayed in Florida, if we wouldn't still homeschool now, Mm -hmm. you know, we're in a spot to where he goes to karate and he plays soccer and, and, you know, our girls are just now coming of age where they're going to start doing some stuff like that. And, and that's almost non-existent when you're doing this long-term traveling like we're doing or slow traveling is a phrase that I heard the other day that I absolutely love. And, um, so we've talked about it. We're, we're concerned about it. And the only thing that I, I can say is, is look, my wife and I, we don't have a lot of friends. I try to tell my, my son this, cause he, he was like, man, I, I just want, I want more friends. And he, so we can kind of see that he's getting eager to, you know, connect and, and have those folks. Um, and I realized that this is just a season in our lives, right? We may do mm-hmm. this a couple more years and then we'll, we'll be done. Maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> uh, you know, you re- rewind two, three years ago and I would, I would have lost money betting that I'd be sitting where I'm at today. But um, one of the things that I, I realized and I really force our kids to do is to go make friends, right? And they have um, transitional friends where most people who RV or, or camp uh, are coming for a long weekend, right? Or sometime during the week during spring break, and then and then they're gone. Or if they're if they're living the RV life, they're not necessarily staying stationary, so they they come and go. And so what's what's forcing um, our kids to do is break out of that introverted shell that I know they have because of how my wife and I, our personality types is they're breaking out of that. It's real. They extremely easy for them to make friends now. Right. And, um, and it wasn't always like that, uh, even when we were back home in Florida. So I think it's, it's teaching them a lot of resilience and a lot of, Hey, I can do things on my own. You know, when I first started investing in real estate, I talked to some of my closest friends. Hey guys, you want to come do this with me? No, you're, you're an idiot, Jay. Don't do that. Who are you? Trump junior. You, you don't have money to go and play this rich man's game. And so I set off and to do it on my own. Now, years later, um, several of them have come back to me and says, Hey, I got some money I want to invest when, when you, when's your next property coming available? And I'm like, well, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, we're looking, but um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, I see it as just a season in their lives and eventually they're going to have, and I'm using air quotes as some normal normality. Is that the right word? Normalcy? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Um, 2.7 GPA, by the way. So, (laughs) um, yeah, so I don't, I mean, my wife is, 
is uh, more concerned about it than I am. I just see it as we are um, creating an environment for them in a way that they're going to learn um, that most kids don't have the option to, you know, I mean, yeah. we, it's not once a week, but probably every other week we go on a hike and we, you know, that's today's science lesson. Hey, let's go out in the field. Let's go. You know, one day we walked upon uh, this trail that had 70 different trees on it and every one of them was marked what they were. Uh, one of them happened awesome. to be a fruit tree that we've never heard of. So we picked some fruit. It was one of the sourest citrus fruits that we've ever eaten. And, but we got to experience that, you know, and I don't just little things like that, you know, and, and we'll go walking through the hills of East Tennessee. We'll come up on what used to be like some foundation work. I'm sure you're familiar with Cade's Cove. Oh, yeah. We spent some time out yeah. there and just, I mean, here's a history lesson kids. Here's, you know, yeah. it's, they, I don't know. I, I think we're, we're, um, we're enabling them to be more successful through this, even though they don't have the normal quote yep. unquote community, you know? Yeah. And since, um, this is the internet and I'm uninformed on this topic, I want to give my opinion. <laughs> um, I think that's where I land on that is yeah. that it, it's important. I grew up in a really small town and mm. why I love to travel so much is because I think it gives you empathy to see how the other side of the world lives where you yeah. aren't, where you didn't grow up. And I saw somebody's post the other day on social media that uh, at the age of 35, they were getting on the plane for the first time that grew up in my hometown. Mm. And I'm like, then it's it's so hard for you to understand another person's point of view or another side of a situation if you've never been in their shoes. Yeah. Um, but, and, and, and I think I get that through traveling, not that I will truly ever understand someone else's opinion on something or, or point of view, but I think I get that from traveling. And I think sure. it's very interesting to think about that as, as kids growing up, that is their education and maybe they're not going to go to college. Right. I, I have this controversial opinion. I hope they don't years. Yeah. You, you won't <laughs> have to go to college. If it's going to be empathy that separates mm. the next generation of talent because we are running computers today. Computers are going to be taking kind of dictating what we do in the future through AI and things like that. If you don't have that empathetic human element of it, then you're just going to get left behind. So I love what you guys are yeah. doing. And that's why I asked that question. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, the other thing is you, you don't really know what's being taught in schools, right? Is that what, what's being heard, what's being said, Yep. Well, Jay, I want to be cognizant of your time here. So I'm going to switch us to the last round here. We're calling this the five okay. toppings. Our first one is what is your favorite book or what's a book you've read recently that's given you a paradigm shift? Um, I, you know, I was listening to one, this, it, it's a repeat listen, so I'll go with it, but it's the 12 week year by Brian Moran. Uh, yep. It was, it was um, instrumental in me figuring out a way to side hustle effectively in real estate and also be successful at the W2. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I have not yeah. read that book, but I've heard great things about it. It's um, really, really good. Our second one is, I believe that the person you become 10 years from now is directly correlated to the habits that you have and the things that you do every single day. What's something that you do every day? Take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Is it an afternoon nap? Is it the Winston Churchill one one p.m. nap? It usually is. I don't. I don't necessarily know that I do that every day. Um, here, so here's something that I have started doing this year: is I keep a. Uh, I'll, I'll do a five minute journal entry, yep. and it's the three things that I'm most th grateful for that happened that day. And it, it 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 sounds silly. It sounds silly when I first heard about it, but at the end of the day, and I'm not perfect doing it every day. Uh, there may be like a Saturday and I'm catching up, you know, three or four days, but I, it makes me reflect on, man, what did we actually do? You know, and what, how did I, how can I think about what happened in a positive manner? You know what I mean? So I would say that's, that's been my, I, I, that's my answer right there. Yep. What I do every day is I, I do a five minute journal entry, but I, I, I make it public. So it's, it's a part of the W2 capitalist community as I, I hope that it inspires other people to do it. So if you're a member of that community, you get to see uh, what I put in there, but it's more of a, you know, writing to myself and not to, to an audience. So, yeah, I think it'd be cool to look back on that years from now and yeah, think about yeah, yeah. the time when you were RVing through the country with your kids 
yeah. in 400 square yeah. feet and the things that you were grateful about. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I didn't strangle one of my kids today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our third one here is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? I would say that I, I'm going to say drink more water. I don't think that's told enough. And, and when we first started dating, I mean, I was drinking like a, a, a six pack or, or almost a 12 pack of Pepsi a day. And she's like, this is not good for you. You need to be drinking water. I'm like, well, I brush my teeth and I, you know, I drink some, she goes, it's not the same. It's like, there's water in Coke, you know, she's like, not, it's not the same. So yeah. it, when I had a bunch of different health issues that I didn't realize were happening because I was not drinking enough water. And, you know, we, we, um, she's always as long as i've known her has drank a gallon of water a day and when you tell most people that you drink a gallon of water a day they're like that's absurd how do you even do that it's a lot easier than you can think about yeah. i mean and the first thing when you get up in the morning before you do but i mean get out of bed walk to a faucet grab a cup pull you know pour 8 16 ounces and chug it and I mean, it to me, when I'm drinking the right amount of water, I feel like I have this internal air conditioner going on and I, I just, I feel so much more healthy, yeah. more healthy, healthier, healthier. 2.7 GPA. Just going <laughs> to say that again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think drink more water is, is probably the best advice. Uh, I know you're probably looking for some real estate. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, my friends laugh at me because I drink more water than probably anyone that they know. Yeah. And I, I just am an endurance athlete. So I'm always constantly dehydrated. And I started yeah. doing the drink 16 ounces before you, before you start the day too, in the morning. Yeah. And it does, it helps you wake up. It gives you Amazing. some mental clarity. It does a lot of different things. And yeah, I'm definitely one of those guys that drinks way more than a gallon a day, which How is much? also bad because you don't want to be in a car with me because I always have to stop. The bathroom. <laughs> no, it's, it's good to stretch your legs, man. You're, you're hauling an RV. You, you make a lot of stops anyway. You just happen to have the bathroom. You're hauling your own bathroom. So you, you just got to find a spot to pull over. Yeah. Uh, I got to ask you though, uh, when you're on the day of an Ironman, how much, how much water do you drink? Oh my gosh. I don't even know, probably two and a half gallons or so. But the okay. key there is you also have to balance it with the salt intake. So yeah. most people don't know when you drink a ton so of you water, can retain it. It, yeah. Yeah, if you don't have the salt and electrolyte balance, and then you can actually quote unquote drown yourself from it. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So I've, uh, I've done, I think I've weighed myself after my last one and lost like 12 pounds or 11 mm. pounds during the day. And, but most of that is water, right? Water. So yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. okay. I was curious. Just think, good stuff. <laughs> Drink more water. That's the first time we've heard that, but I like it. Uh, our fourth one is what is the thing that you're most proud of in your life? I got to say probably creating the, the W2 capitalist community. Yeah, um, you know, and for the people who have been in it long enough, they don't, they don't necessarily see me as like some person that sits at the top or whatnot. I, I'm just one of the group. Right. And the folks in that group, hold each other accountable. They help each other out. You know, there's, there, there, there's, um, some of them live within like a three or four hour radius of one another and they'll buy a property and without even asking somebody will say, Hey, uh, what, are you working on your property this weekend? You want, you want me to come over and help? And they'll come over, you know, and it, nice. it's just incredible to see those things happen. And, and, um, those relationships blossom for that. I mean, there's been so many partnerships have been, I created that because introverted wife was pregnant. I didn't want to drive 45 minutes one way to the Ria to sit in the corner and hope nobody talked to me again, very comfortable with zoom and being behind the camera and a keyboard. Like I can, I can create one of these online. Right. But it's the, it's the, it's the community aspect and the way that people have partnered and found one another through that and how they're helping one another grow. And I sit back and I'm like, you know, a lot of them told, told me, Hey, I would never have met them if it wasn't for you. And I'm like, well, I don't do good with compliments. So thank you. And I'll try to go process that, but it's the <laughs> final question. If you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? And why? I don't know. I have no, I mean, cause I feel like this answer has to be like an unattainable person, right? 
What are some of the popular answers? Give me some guidance on this one. What are some of the popular answers that whoever that you, you think you would do, <laughs> you would sit down and eat ice cream with? Um, they could be accessible. They could not be accessible. You know, always want to improve yourself. Um, I, I would love, and I, I've watched a lot of, and maybe this is because of some of the TV that I've consumed recently, but, um, you know, I, I've water, watched a lot of Lincoln documentaries and uh, read a book. I forget who the author is, Lincoln Team on Leadership. Rivals. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I th- If I had to choose one, it, it's probably going to be, if it would probably be either Abraham Lincoln or Will Ferrell. <laughs> Both equally the same height. <laughs> uh, yeah, I because, you know, I, I feel like I need to sharpen my leadership skills and not only just with, um, you know, inside the family, but also with uh, growing the business. And, you know, think about Lincoln. He went through a lot of adversity um, with, I believe he lost a son and he had arguments with his son. You know, I, I can't imagine like if like in 10 years, 11 years from now, my son comes up to me and says, dad, I'm joining the armed forces, you know, we're at war or I'm entering the draft or whatever. I don't know how I would handle that. Like part of me's sense of pride. Hell yeah. Let's go happy for you to go defend the country. But half of me is like, the other half is like, man, I, I don't want to lose you, uh, have the potential risk to lose you for, for something like that. You know what I mean? Like there's this whole life ahead of you. And I, I can't imagine having that argument or having yeah. that, you know, um, de- debate or whatever. So I, I don't know. I, I think it would be Abraham Lincoln and then Will Ferrell. He's, he's just, he's funny as hell. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I like the answer Lincoln and he's one of the few that I name whenever people ask me this, uh, to because to to win a controversial election to lead through the civil war and then most yeah. importantly put your opponents or people that necessarily didn't agree with you 100% in your close cabinet to help yeah. lead through a difficult time i mean i think it takes a lot of leadership skills to do that how do you and do that? to go through such <laughs> turmoil so i love the yeah. answer yeah how do you do that that uh, and i don't i mean i'll never be the leader that Lincoln was, but I feel like I could kept I could pick up a couple nuggets from him when we share a bowl yep. of ice cream. Do you yep. happen to know what his favorite ice cream was? I don't. I don't. I'm sure. What it did he get? Uh, chopped down the cherry tree or the? I, the I was going to say cherry. <laughs> well, Jay, fantastic conversation. Uh, we didn't really even talk about your book that just launched a couple of weeks ago and is a number one bestseller on Amazon. Didn't talk about uh, uh, too much about the community that you're you're working with over there and that you offer for folks in the mastermind, but. If our listeners wanted to reach out and learn more about you, where's the best place we could point them? So I'm on, I am on uh, social media. Uh, I know I said I got a different strategy on that this year, but it's any, not any, a few of them. It's at W2 Capitalist. I don't do them all. Uh, LinkedIn and Instagram are probably my most um, active. And then um, uh, if you want to hit the website that has everything about the mastermind, the books on there, uh, that's just W2Capitalist.com. Perfect. We'll leave all those links in the show notes. And Jay, fantastic catching up. Every time we chat, I feel like we could keep going for hours, but I know, I know you got kids yeah. coming back in the RV. And yeah. Be respectful of your time. Yeah. It's getting supper time. So when they come in, it's going to be loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Matt, thank you for having me. Really do appreciate it. And uh, let's, let's do it again soon. Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app.